And when you do things like working out, you have like a strong meditation, you can feel those things release through the years of that suppression. You have a really strong meditation and you just start crying for no reason. It's like, why am I doing this? <laughs> and um, it's because those things can store in your body. And it's something that I'm new to learning, but I do believe that if you go through chronic stress, you're living in survival mode for such a long time, and you don't have ways to really cope or manage that, then yes, it is going to manifest in your body. Welcome, friends. You're listening to The Hook with Sarah Larson, a podcast that is curious about disruption and how it affects our personal lives, our careers, and the people around us. I'm your host, Sarah Larson, a business coach and serial entrepreneur, but also someone with a thirst for deep conversations. Each of my guests has overcome the obstacles they've faced in their lives. Whether you are curious about starting a business, just beginning your journey as a business owner, or are a veteran entrepreneur, this is an opportunity to learn from their experiences. I hope you'll find as much inspiration from my guests as I have. Grab your favorite beverage and let's begin. Welcome, friends. This is The Hook with Sarah Larson. I'm your host, Sarah Larson, and I'm excited to introduce my guest today, Dan Stoll with Nova Fusion. And Dan, I'm going to ask you to sort of do your own introduction here. Tell us a little bit about what Nova Fusion is and what you're doing. Yeah, so Nova Fusion is really an icon of inspiration, and I really strive to be a beacon of hope. And it started with just sharing a blog of the first four years of my health journey with Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. I didn't know what any of that was when I got sick. And it was a process for me, a long healing process. And, you know, I wanted to just help others in similar situations. And I realized over time that it's not so much about my situation personally, but more of the hardships that I went through and that adversity because you know, we're all battling something out there. And, you know, I just wanted to be that beacon of hope and show others that if I could get through these extreme experiences, then so could you with whatever you're fighting in your life. So that's kind of where I started with all of this. And from there, it really just transitioned into a platform to honor those who overcame hardship. And I just want to share their stories and pull out the lessons that they learned along their journeys. That's incredible. And I, I mentioned to you before, you're, you're actually fairly young as far as the guests on my podcast go, because I'm typically looking for entrepreneurs who have a long life experience. But given the things that you have been through, I'd say that you have a little bit of experience in overcoming these, what I like to call disruptions, um, hardships, as you've referred to it. And you have a little bit of knowledge about how to get over that. And I'm really interested to dig into sort of how you have approached that. So let's um, back up a little bit. Can you tell us where you grew up, sort of what was life like? Yeah, so life was everything but normal. 
Um, I was kind of that guy that went through a lot of pain, like you said, and similar to an alchemist, I kind of turned those tough times into a propelling purpose that fuels me every day. And so I grew up in a small town, Livonia, Michigan, not too far from where you grew up, about 20 minutes from Detroit, and I think the other way, 20 minutes from Ypsilanti. So we grew up in the same area, so to speak, and yeah, small world on that part, but home life was never easy for me because not only did I get diagnosed with a life-changing condition, but I grew up with an alcoholic father for as long as I can remember. And, you know, he was pretty bad when it came to the alcoholism and even other drugs, prescription drugs, street drugs. And, you know, that caused uncertainty for years. And I was pretty much living in survival mode every day, just not knowing what I was going to come home to. And, you know, it was never something that I talked with about my friends being in that like suburban community thing. It wasn't like a, like a snotty rich place or anything, but like people just, it was like most kids just had normal lives. Their parents are married, things are good. And those conversations just didn't really happen. So I always kind of felt like embarrassed and I suppressed my emotions a lot. And honestly, like basketball was my outlet. So I couldn't really, when things were bad inside, I would just go outside and play basketball. We had a hoop out there. There's a community rec center, like a quarter mile away. So I had a membership and that was honestly like my second home. And, you know, having that, those outlets definitely helped, but things got really bad from about fourth through eighth grade. And it was to the point where my mom and I, we had to bounce around different family members just because, you know, it wasn't safe at home. Like things were getting really bad and unpredictable with my dad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that caused me to struggle in school because my mind, I couldn't focus on what I was trying to learn. It was more of what am I going to come home to? And so, you know, I kind of, that was a tough period for me. Like really, <laughs> that's where a lot of my stress kind of built up. And you know, I wouldn't be here today if I let my emotions lash out and I didn't have that self-control. And my mom definitely helped me with that. We pulled through, we made it to the other side. And um, I'd say things kind of settled down from like eighth to, or not eighth grade, from ninth to 11th grade. And then things really picked up again. That's when I got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And then the same time, my dad kind of relapsed harder than ever. So it was just a big storm for that senior year of high school that everyone looks forward to. <laughs> wow. Tell me more, if you don't mind. So you said that you and your mom were bouncing around and, and then um, things kind of calmed down around ninth grade, at least for a couple of years. You were back home with your father and your mother together. Did he get sober or he just... It was like kind of stable. So during that time where things were really bad, fourth through eighth grade, um, there was times where he was in rehab. There was times where we had to be at other houses. There was times where he was in jail even for like a work release program in the summer. And that was like my only time I could see him. He, he got like kind of stable, but it was always these moments of unpredictableness and he has bipolar as well so we didn't know if it was him relapsing or if it was the bipolarness the ups and downs of that so it was as good as it could be I guess I could say from that time and 
I, we actually realized that like he wasn't sober the full time. So if he said he was sober for two years, it was more like one year and we would just never know. But we definitely knew by 12th grade that something was up and that's when we had to really cut the cord and get out, get a whole different house. We couldn't stay with him anymore. And honestly, I haven't really talked to him at all since that those times. And that's probably been like six years now. That was something that I was going to ask is kind of what the relationship is today. I can't imagine what it was like, how hard that must have been. And when you describe being in school and not being able to pay attention of course you couldn't. Of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot going it, it's on. It's heartbreaking. I feel for you, but I can hear how well-spoken you are. You have obviously come through this in such a strong way. And so can you tell us, tell me a little bit more about when you were diagnosed? Um, what did you say it was? I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, but ulcerative it evolved colitis. into Crohn's disease, yes. Right. I have a question before you go on, and maybe you'll talk about that um, and address it. Maybe it comes up anyway, but do you think, I mean, traumas are so um, invasive in our bodies, and I wonder if the trauma of everything that you went through during those years leading up to that may have caused some of that illness. Yeah, that's actually something that I've been learning a lot more recently is how those stress and traumas really build up in your system. And when you do things like working out, you have like a strong meditation, you can feel those things release through the years of that suppression and you like you have a really strong meditation and you just start crying for no reason it's like why am i doing this <laughs> and um it's because those things can store in your body and it's something that i'm new to learning but i do believe that if you go through chronic stress you're living in survival mode for such a long time and you don't have ways to really cope or manage that then yes it is going to manifest in your body and you know, they say disease is your body at dis-ease. So I was at dis-ease for a very long time. And yeah, I would, I don't want to directly say that, but indirectly, I feel like it did play a big role in my diagnosis. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. All right. So what, so what happened at that point? When I got diagnosed? When you were diagnosed then what, then what happens? And in addition, you have this explosive situation with your dad. Yeah. What, so what happens? Lead us through the story. Yeah. So I was, my mom moved out at the time. So it was just me and my dad, ironically. And at first it was good because 11th grade, he was still relatively sober and stable. And I just liked having my freedom, to be honest, like as a 17 year old kid, you get your car at 16, like you just want to do your own thing. And so I got sick the summer going into my senior year. So just about three, four weeks before classes started. And we had no idea what was going on. After a couple of weeks of it continuing, we're like, because we thought it was just like some stomach bug, I ate something wrong, whatever. And so I ended up seeing a GI doctor and um, I, had, I had a 
get a scope, that's the only way that they can tell for sure if it's Crohn's. And so they found the ulcers and they put me on some steroids and some oral medications that didn't do anything to help. And so as my disease is continuing to progress, my dad's getting worse. Um, you know, him and his family, they couldn't really wrap their head around me getting sick. And it was almost like a denial. So that was a constant battle. Like, why aren't you doing your chores? Why aren't you cleaning up after yourself? Why are you just staying in bed all day? It's like, okay, oh, well, I'm sick, dude. <laughs> but nobody really knew what was going on to that point. But there was a point where later down the road, it's like, okay, he is sick. Like we should help him out. I was homebound for that whole year in high school. And then I ended up elevating my medications to uh, IV. It was called Remicade. And they do that just because it's more potent and it goes straight to the bloodstream. Again, that did nothing to help me. And so after those first two treatment options, you're left with a life-changing surgery. My affected areas was my entire colon. It was all the way from the start of your colon to the end. So they couldn't really save any of it. And four days after graduation, I ended up walking, even though I was homebound, but I had uh, the first of two surgeries that removed my entire colon. And that, that was honestly the darkest time from being diagnosed to getting past those surgeries it was the hardest thing ever. So from August, that's when I got diagnosed. My first surgery was June 8th, I believe. And then I had a second surgery in August and that had some complications in between those surgeries. I had a colonostomy bag and that just, that's what really made things really bad for me. I just had zero self-worth and that mindset really like carried with me through when I did feel a little bit better, I just had these negative thoughts about myself and I was still in that victim mentality. And it took me a long time to get out of that. And I would say probably from August, 2015 to January, 2017, that was that really dark time of recovery and surgery. And then after that, I kind of started to find my way a little bit more, but Man, it was a process for sure. Yeah. So what got... There's a lot to get there. I'm just like, uh, you know, I'm a little bit speechless because I just, you have been through a lot. And what, I don't know how you did it. Um, what, in that dark period, what kept you going? little things, <laughs> little things and acts of gratitude, just taking those small steps. And here, here's a big thing that I really haven't shared before is I was actually really suicidal before my surgeries. So probably that November period when I got diagnosed just a couple months into it, that's when I was really feeling the worst. And I put a deadline to end my life, like in a week, I was going to do it. And the reason why I didn't is because I didn't want to transfer the pain that I was going through onto the people that did support and care about me. So my mom and my grandpa, those were two people that were in my life that stuck with me from the very start. And they were always supportive. They didn't question it. 
and they always had my back. So I was just thinking of everything that they did to sacrifice for me and how can I like repay that back? And one way to not do it was just ending my life and making sure that like everything that they did for me just went to nothing. So I was like, I can't do that. And so I really had to dig deep and that was like my purpose for a while, just to not transfer the pain that I was going to onto others because they're going to have to live with it for the rest of their lives. And so that just, that wasn't fair. And so I did have a, a girlfriend at the time who she helped me a lot during that period. And I, I needed like a rock, honestly, like I, I don't think I could have done it by myself between her and my mom. Those were the two people by my side. And honestly, just doing little things each day to get better. So for me, I had to take walks and that's what helped my body feel better, helped just move things in my system. So like when I was in the hospital, that was the one thing that they told me to do, just do laps around the hospital. So I knew that's something that I could do and just be active, drink a lot of water. I just did everything that I could, that I possibly could. I'm researching all the time anything that I can do to feel better and I just took it one day at a time because that's all I could do that's incredible so were you staying were you living with your dad the whole time or did you finally move out I know you said that he and his family were not understanding of what you were going through and that you weren't he didn't have a lot of energy uh, to bounce around and do chores and things like that did you end up moving in with your mom were you on your own at that point yeah, I ended up moving with my mom. She just ended up getting a condo at that point just to get out. And so I moved with her probably around January, December, um, before my surgeries started. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's a really powerful story, Dan. I feel like people are really going to resonate with not all of what you've been through. Maybe resonate is not the word I'm looking for. They will be inspired for sure. I think that you are on the right path with the business that you've started of just being that beacon of hope. I think that having gone through this, we haven't even gotten to where, where you went after, but that inspiration, um, just hearing you say that you couldn't put your mom and your grandfather and your girlfriend through that pain of, of ending your life and that you powered on through thinking of them, which is really, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> we're here for each other. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So when you started, you know, as you eased out of that dark period that you talked about, how did things progress from there? Yeah. So like I said, 2017, that's when things started to get a little bit better for me. And that was really just like a trial and error year, year because I had to, everything like my food and diet, it was just completely new from being an ostomy bag to having the surgeries. It was just totally different night and day. So that whole year, I was just trial and error, figuring out what I can and can't eat. And then 2018, I had um, a big moment in there that really like was my catalyst. So that February, I uh, ended up getting diagnosed with mono, and I was just extremely tired from that. 
I got E. coli too somehow, and that was really messing up my stomach. And then on top of that, I had an intestinal blockage, which is a complication from my second surgeries because I only have my small intestine now, and it kind of like forms a J pouch. And so the way it settled in, I kind of had like a twist in there. So if I eat too much at a time, it'll get clogged and that'll be an intestinal blockage, which I may have to go to the hospital or if I can power through it, I will at home. And so I ended up having to go to the hospital for that blockage because it was a pretty intense one. And then the fourth thing that happened in February was my girlfriend that was with me through the surgeries, she decided to break up with me. So I was going through that really tough experience of these, everything just piling on top of me. And I had to really dig deep and, and I, I was like, so why, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And another thing is that I lost so much weight. So I went back down to like 118, which was my lowest that I could ever be. That's what I was at with surgeries. And so I spent this all of 2017 kind of rebuilding my body. And then in a span of one month, four weeks, I just completely crashed. So that was a big hit on my mental. Of course, I was upset about losing my girlfriend, but I just felt like I was never going to get over this illness. And so I just completely went all in on reinventing myself and I started going to the gym like four or five times a week. I started listening to podcasts every day and I just wanted to grow and become a better person. And through that process, I was just discovering new things along the way, new things to help my mindset. And for a while, that was like the biggest thing for me is just reshaping my mindset because I was at such a negative place. And then I had to start seeing the positive in life. So through those years, I actually was taking pictures of my transformation, my body, and just because I didn't really have the words to explain what was going on. So I was like, okay, maybe this will come in handy one day. And so through those pictures, I started adding some captions and just finding the words that I could at the time. And I ended up starting a blog in 2019. That was really just to share the first four years of my journey. And just for anyone, my purpose for that was to help those in similar situations and be like, you can get through it. I, I went through the ringer with all this. And if I can do it, so can you. That was my main message for that. And after that, I was like, okay, what's next? Because I, I didn't really know. I just wanted to put my story out there. And that's when like a month or two later, I developed my philosophy experiences plus mindset equals growth. And that was just through my experiences. I was like, it just made sense to me. And so I wanted to really create like a, a platform and a brand beyond myself that honored other people that went through similar situations, went through those dark times, but they came out on top and now they're a beacon of hope for others in those situations. And so that's kind of how it all led up to where I'm at today. Just one thing at a time. I didn't really have all the answers, but I just took one step in front of the other and I tried to do the right thing the best I could. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really an incredible story, Dan. 
one of the things that occurred to me as you were describing your weight loss and how you had dropped down to 118 pounds is that not everybody probably knows who's listening what Crohn's disease is. I actually had a brother-in-law who had Crohn's disease and had surgery. And so I'm familiar with it. And I think it just made me not think about that. Maybe we should have you explain what it is exactly. Yeah. So Crohn's disease, uh, ulcerative colitis, it's a form of IBD, which is inflammatory bowel disease. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is inflammation throughout your entire digestive tract. And what it causes is these ulcers to form. And so if the ulcers get bad enough, that can actually cause a perforation. And that's why I, I had to get surgeries because the medication just wasn't helping me. It causes so many symptoms with not being able to eat, having to go to the bathroom all the time and weight loss, fatigue, like mental fog. There, there's all these things that come with it, malnutrition. And so I've realized that diet and stress management are the two biggest things that bring on flares for me and bring out my illness. So if I can manage those two aspects of my life, I'm in a, a lot better shape. So that's what I would recommend for anyone out there in a similar situation, battling an IBD, um, really focus on your diet and your stress management. Okay. Yeah. That my understanding was probably a little simpler than your explanation. So I appreciate that, but really just your body's inability to absorb nutrients. Is yes sort of my understanding and that is why you lose weight because you're just not keeping the nutrients in your body um, and so yes diet for sure is something that i'm aware of as a solution that will help you keep it under control and it's interesting that you say the stress release the the stress as well stress management and it kind of goes back to sort of what i was thinking before of you had so much stress in your life in your early years, all growing up, that I'm sure didn't help your situation. Maybe you would have had that anyway, but I'm sure that did not help. It, it, it's good to hear that you've figured out how to control that a little bit. Do you want to talk about what you do for both sides of that? Yeah, so for stress, I think exercising is one of the best things that you can do just to get out of your own head a little bit. For me, it was always basketball. So find what activity makes you happy and you can kind of like get into that flow state. That That's a good one right there. And then journaling, that's another thing that I highly recommend. I do it pretty much morning and night and throughout the day. Just any thought like to-do lists, anything that's going on that might stress you out. If you have like a cram schedule, you can prioritize that. And then when something does happen into your life, I think it's good to reflect on that. And then you can kind of just see it from a new perspective and you won't have that emotional attachment or those negative emotions towards what you're going through. You can kind of just pick it apart a little bit. So for the stress, that's two big things that I use on a daily basis. And then for the diet, I'm really big on like an animal-based diet. That's not like a carnivore, but um, definitely like eat your meats and the dairy is good if you can tolerate that. And then I kind of stay away from like vegetables, but I eat tons of fruit. So 
meat, fruit, dairy, water, tea, like those are all great things. Just overall, like stay away from processed foods and eat as much whole foods as you can, because as you know, with the American diet, if you look at the labels, it's like, what is this? <laughs> so um, you want to find things that have like one to three ingredients, just make it really simple and you're going to feel a lot better. Well, and I think that's probably good advice in general, right? Not just if you have Crohn's disease. <laughs> we know, we know that limiting your processed foods can really help. We don't know it fully what effects processed food can have and the chemicals and the processes that are used in those, how they can affect us. So it's good to reiterate that, that the whole foods are good for you. I've seen you post a few things on Instagram where I was like, what is that? That looks so interesting. So describe the one that I asked you about the other day. It was like beef bone broth and uh -huh. cut up avocado. Yeah. And yeah. I think you yeah. said that there was some ginger in it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you can get the collagen, the glutamine, all of these good minerals in the bone broth that help your and nourish your gut. And then obviously the avocado, that's a great thing. The protein, the fat, the nutrients, and that's just like a, a nice power meal for me. And especially like when I'm not feeling so good, it's a good light thing that I can have that's also nutritious. So that's what a big thing is like finding these nutrient dense meals and foods, and then keeping them simple. Like that was three ingredients, just some spices in there. And another thing that I'd like to add is find like anti-inflammatory foods and really like try to eat more of those and things like turmeric even like if you can just put that in a lot of your food that was in the soup that I had I'll do that in the eggs that I cook I'll scramble some eggs and put some turmeric so if you can just like incorporate these things into your diet you're going to feel so much better and it's not just the IBD and the Crohn's disease but like arthritis any autoimmune disease those are mostly caused by inflammation so if you can get rid of the inflammation that you're intaking through your food, that's going to help you so much. I have psoriasis, which I've had since I was a kid, and it is an inflammatory disease. It doesn't affect my daily life other than I've got it in areas that are visible and it's not super attractive necessarily, but I have tried different things or seen the benefits of, of, um, low, you know, <laughs> yeah, different it's a whole other conversation about my relationship with food, but I have done low carb. I have done, you know, some different dietary changes. You mentioned carnivore. I have done that as well. And one of the reasons I tried carnivore is because there was a doctor who was uh, talking about that. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast a few years ago, and he mentioned that he'd had very bad eczema and that going carnivore had helped that. And I thought, well, maybe that could help me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit extreme. And I also did not see benefit for my psoriasis. Just listening to some of the things that you have mentioned, the anti-inflammatory spices and collagen actually is an interesting one that I'm, I have not learned enough about, I think. Yeah. And a tip for you is having like some bone marrow that you can do. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, you could do it straight out of the bone and like save it for later, freeze it and put it in the fridge, stuff like that. 
but that is like straight collagen right there on a budget. You could just boil the bones just with the marrow in there and mm -hmm. there's your bone broth right there. I'll just buy a bag of bones and then okay. I, you can freeze the bones and pull them out one by one, pull out a couple of them. And like, I'm a little extreme. I'll just put them in the oven and put like the marrow, like on my bread and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, you don't have to be that crazy. A good way to do it is like put it in sauces and just use it as like a butter because mm -hmm. it, it really doesn't taste. It, it doesn't really have a taste. I've had it where I've just baked bones yeah. In, in my carnivore experience, right. I did do that <laughs> and tried it and thought it was quite, it was delicious. I think I just added some salt. Yeah, exactly. That's what that I love way. to do, but it creeps my mom out a little bit. Oh. So <laughs> yeah. So for anyone that is like that, there yeah. are easier ways that you can do it. And another thing that you mentioned was like those, those diets, because there's so many around and, you know, I like to say that like, there is no one diet. And the reason for that is because what my medicine is for me, food wise, could be your poison. It just things don't agree with everyone. We're all different. We all have different circumstances and situations. And so I kind of take diets with a grain of salt. I look at what are the foods in there? What are the macros? So your fats, protein and carbs, try to get a good balance of that. And just eat nutritious things that agree with you. Because if you're eating something that doesn't agree with you, what's the point of doing that? Food is fuel. Food is to be enjoyed. And so I would just encourage people not to focus so much on the diets, but focus on how they make you feel and lean into the foods that make you feel good. That's great advice. Yes, what, what works for you doesn't work doesn't necessarily work for everyone. I heard a story recently from another nutrition coach who said that she had a client that was following some cleanse that involved eating a lot of eggs, I think. And eggs can be great, but apparently she hadn't really been an egg eater prior to that cleanse. And when she was eating a lot of them, ended up that it affected her in not good ways. With that, like, if you're going to try something new, take it in baby steps. So what I learned from a nutritionist is to start first day, a small amount, you'll do it the second day in a row, do it a, a medium sized portion. And then the third day you'll have a big size portion. And then you'll know by those three days, if it agrees with you or if it doesn't, and if it doesn't agree with you, don't do it again. <laughs> you mentioned that you don't really eat a lot of vegetables. Is that why? Because they don't really sit well with you. Yeah, it's just digesting them is a lot harder. Um, are there any other bits of advice that you can offer from your experience of you know, just getting through not necessarily an illness like this, but just getting through life, getting through the tough times in life? Any, any advice that you have to offer? on that. So one thing that really helped me throughout my healing journey, and I found this around 2018 is the philosophy of stoicism. It's mm -hmm. a ancient Greek philosophy. And in a nutshell, it's control what you can control and don't worry about what you can't because much of life is beyond our control. And the only thing that we really get out of that is overthinking and making this big dramatic mess in our heads. 
So if you just focus on the things that are in your control, you can make progress that way. So when I was going through those tough times, I couldn't look at, well, why did this happen to me? That was irrelevant. It's like, what can I do to make things better? That was the better question that I had. So if you can ask better questions, you're going to get better answers. And I think that's a good tip right there. <laughs> Absolutely. I know we we both follow Craig Siegel, who likes to say, marry the process and divorce the outcome. And I think that sort of falls into the the philosophy of control what you can control. But obviously, we can't always control the outcomes of things. And you need to leave that to the universe and, and work on what we can control. And obviously, in the case of your situation, like you said, the food and the uh, stress management. Uh, I love the tools of, that you mentioned earlier of journaling and um, working out, getting movement, moving your body. That is something I've been studying a lot of energetics recently and the energy of movement, whether it's physical movement or other action, taking other action even if it's a mental action or decision-making and then taking action on those decisions. Yeah. Whether they're good or bad. <laughs> and you mentioned playing basketball. You mentioned flow state in with that. And I wasn't sure if you were saying that the basketball got you into the flow state. Yeah. Like with painting, like that could be your hobby and you just get into the flow with your painting and you're not thinking about anything else. So whatever that is for you, it could be horseback riding. Like, I don't know what that is for you, but there's something out there that you gravitate towards and whatever that is, lean into it. So you mentioned that you are, you have this business and you are coaching people with regard to, you said wellness and resilience. I, I love that. And where is that going? You mentioned, actually, I'll say you mentioned to me that you're launching a podcast soon. Is that okay to talk about here? <laughs> yeah. Yep. The podcast is coming out March 31st. That's going to be as of right now, the EMG podcast. And the goal for that is really to just bring people on that went through those tough times and pull out the lessons that they learned and really just show them that show others that, yeah, if they can get through this, I can get through that. And, you know, because my situation is so extreme, a lot of people can't relate to that. So I want to bring people on that, you know, everyone can relate to. So like, you can just scroll through the episodes. Oh, this person's battling this. Let's listen to that. That'll help me out. So I just want to be, again, that beacon of hope for anyone out there. And yeah, the coaching, that's something that I started this year, actually. It's been something that I wanted to do, but uh, developing my process all of last year, pretty much, and getting my program ready to make public for others. And so really what that is, is wellness and resilience. We cover all things, mindset, wellness, so your nutrition, and um, then that resilience X factor, because I like to say that mindset is really the foundation of everything. If you have a strong mindset, you're going to be more willing to do the things that you need to do. Whereas if you have a negative mindset, are you really going to eat healthy? Are you going to go work out in the morning? Are you going to really take care of your relationships and nurture those? Probably not. So I think um, 
getting that mindset is one of the biggest things. And it's definitely one of the biggest catalysts for me and how I transformed everything around from that February moment that I mentioned earlier. It was really just a shift in my mindset. And that was, I was more determined and committed to do the things that I needed to do. Brilliant. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most, Nova Fusion Co. And um, yeah, you'll definitely see everything that I got going on, the podcast. So yeah, if you're anyone out there wants to just reach out, have a conversation, or you have a chronic illness, you need some help with that, please reach out to me. I'm always willing to talk to anyone out there. Oh, that's great. I think that you're doing something really incredible, Dan. Um, I'm excited for where it's going and I can't wait to hear your podcast. Yeah, and I can't wait to have you on as well. <laughs> I would love that. I've got some I've got some stories of resiliency I can share with you. <laughs> yes. I wanted to ask you one last thing, and that is where did the Nova Fusion name come from? Oh, okay. <laughs> so um this actually came to me in college. I was in an astronomy class at the time and Nova stands for like a, a burst of new light and like new, a new life. And so that's what I was doing. I was really reinventing myself. That was 2019, the start of 2020. It was like just before COVID. And so my health wasn't the best then. I was still figuring things out. And then fusion is um, the core of philosophy and everything is actually from Bruce Lee. So, you know, be water, have your own style. Um, he would actually like fight other people to learn their styles. And he was just this open book of martial arts. So he would learn how to punch one way, kick the other. And in a fight, he would combine all of it. So he would take the best techniques from everywhere and then create his own style. So I liked that idea for life. And so I'm taking things that I learned from wellness, from mindset, resilience, all of these great people and my role models and mentors taking the best things that I think are applicable for my life. And I'm kind of just sharing those with others. And Nova Fusion is the platform for that. That's awesome. That's a, that's a really cool backstory on your name for your business. Love it. Love it, yeah, love it. it was just perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. I'm so glad that we had an opportunity to do this and for me to get to know you better. We've chatted a little bit on Instagram, but it's always good to meet somebody in, in, in person. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, thank you great. so much for having me. It's been an absolute honor to get to know you more as well and just continue this connection. So again, thank you so much for having me. Dan is definitely familiar with disruption. During his childhood with an alcoholic father, he was faced with disruptions on a pretty regular basis. He described the only constants as uncertainty and fighting for survival. Maybe his decision to not commit suicide after his diagnosis of Crohn's disease isn't so surprising after all. He'd spent his entire life up to that point trying to survive. It was instinct. 
I'm so glad he found a reason to stay in this world because he is a beacon of hope to others experiencing tough times. The tools he uses to work on his mindset and his physical health are things we can all use. Journaling, meditation, eating foods that make our bodies feel good, and avoiding food that makes our bodies feel bad. Movement and exercise. In case you were wondering about the name of Dan's podcast launching March 31st, it's EMG, which goes back to his message that experience plus mindset equals growth. Go follow him on Instagram at NovaFusionCo so you can subscribe as soon as he drops the trailer. Reducing stress is one of Dan's goals for keeping his Crohn's under control, and I think it's an imperative for all of us. My goal as a business coach is to help eliminate the stress of overwhelm for entrepreneurs. I know there is no magic blueprint that works for every business, and trying to do everything we've been told we must do to succeed is exhausting. Trying to do it all by yourself is lonely. If you'd like to have someone to listen to your unique challenges and provide support and strategies specific to your vision, I'd love to talk to you. You can schedule a chat with me through the link in the show notes to see if I'm the right advisor for you. If you haven't already subscribed to my newsletter, now is the time. I send an email twice a week that contains my own stories, business advice, and recommendations. And my subscribers are the first to know when I have something new to share. And if you haven't heard me say it yet, I have something new to share very soon. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at I am Sarah Larson. That's Sarah with an H, Larson with an E. All social media and website links for me and Dan are in the show notes. If you liked this episode, the best way to let me know is with a five-star review. I want as many people as possible to be inspired by the stories shared here. Thank you, friends. See you next time.